Carlo Tevez, Tevez da solo, Tevez, Tevez, Tevez al limite dell'area, rimane fuori tutti Tevez! Welcome back to More Than A Game, a podcast dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, a full round of A-League fixtures, but a fan's lost interest. Mariners win the A-League transfer window with the most peak A-League signing in A-League history. And could we have a title race on our hands in the Prem? I'm Colby, uh, and I'm joined today by Jesse, Damo and Tommy, and we're all sitting in the one location, boys. I think this is the first time in 24 months or or more that we've had an in-person pod. What a moment. What a moment certified. That celebrates a, a can pop. Tins out. There's, Tins there's, out. There's lots of eye contact across the table. And it's a little bit weird. It's disarming. Uh, so we're coming to you on a Tuesday night. Uh, we're recording on this, this public holiday eve right after a very entertaining Big Blue. Uh, we'll be talking about that and much more on the pods. Um, plenty coming up. Some A lot of prem to get through. We've had a full round of A-League, as we said. Uh, plenty of discussion. We've got a Socceroos preview for you as well. But boys, let's just get straight into our moments of the week. Damo. My moment of the week has to go to uh, Comoros in the AFCON. Uh, I'm sure you guys <laughs> saw this. Exactly. I'm, I'm not big on my geography, but uh, Comoros is an African nation who played Cameroon in the knockout stages of AFCON. They were down to exactly 13 players, so they had to play an outfield, outfield player in goal. Uh, they ended up only losing, I think it was 2-1 to Cameroon this morning. Bronze. Um, but they're they're out of the competition. But what an effort! And they're, they're, there's a clip going viral of the goalkeeper who is not a goalkeeper making an incredible double save, which I think I sent you guys earlier. Um, it's, it's you, you love to see it. You love to see it. it's real uh, Monday night futsal areas. <laughs> <laughs> they they got back into it. Like I think it finished two um, one in the end. They they got a goal in the 80th minute or thereabouts and. So they were pretty unlucky. They lost on the night, but they won our hearts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, what about yourself, mate? Um, well, I'd be remiss um, to not mention you being back in Melbourne uh, for a Aww. pod, Colby. So, um, also, my other moment of the week was remiss. Can make it a bit of a comeback as a word. I've noticed you used it a couple of times in the last pod. <laughs> Tommy, and, and I'm on board for it. So, it would be remiss of me to say that. Another moment of the week for me was the more than a game golf day. Um, first time we've gone out and had a hit a golf um, Three together. Three quarters of or half of. The yeah, I mean team. we're still working on Colby. It will happen, um, but uh, for now we've got three quarters of us playing golf, so that's really Colby's nice. Colby the caddy, maybe. Yeah, can can drive a caddy, boys. Um, <laughs> Pro- can, probably can the. Confirm. Can probably, you drive a caddy as well as you drive a pod? Oof. Probably the uh, probably the one true moment of the week, though, guys. Uh, for for me was uh, you know Ajax were beating Excelsior nine zero in the Dutch Cup. Um, and in the 89th minute, Devin Plonk, who is still re- receiving chemo for cancer of the fibula, received a guard of honour from both sides. They both clapped him on. Um, it's like the 80th minute of the game or something. 89th. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was just, it, there's, a, there's a video on Twitter that's doing the rounds, but um, yeah, he looked 
you know, pretty moved by it. And Let's not mention it was 9-0 at the time to Ajax. It's a bit of a yeah, famous I, I think, league I, I, there I, I, in the Netherlands. I think it's I'll always... give anyone a guard of honour if I was 9-0 up. <laughs> I admit that one of the one downfalls of that video is that in the corner, while they're doing this incredibly gracious thing, there's also 9-0 against Excelsior. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, Ajax sort of, you know, showing no mercy, but showing a bit of mercy. My own goal, look, it was going to be Comoros as well. So uh, we'll just we'll keep moving, I guess. Wow. <laughs> I mean, i just got to give a shout-out to the Matildas, boys. Their Asian Cup campaign's off to a, a flyer of a start. Two from two, six points from six, um, with an aggregate of 24-nil scoreline. So, I mean, can't ask for more than that, can you? What shaky back line. And, and, and a shout-out to Sam Kerr, who I think now is on 55 or 54 international goals. Goated who is now obviously the leading all-time scorer for Australia and a in shout international out, football. A shout, out, a shout out to you, Damo, as well, because I get all my stats about Sam Kerr from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, sorry, while we're on uh, the topic of the Asian Cup, uh, my own goal was actually going to be about the Matildas, though. Go on, then. It was going to be about... There were some comments made by um, uh, one of the commentators about... Uh, that during that game against uh, Indonesia that they should have blooded more players um, during a group stage match of a, of a major tournament. Um, and yes, the Matildas were heavy favourites to win that game. It would have been unlikely that it was even going to be even closer um, than, than what it was if they had played some, some younger players or more inexperienced players. But um, you're in the group stage of a major tournament. The time for blooding players has well and truly passed. So that, that was my own goal. Um, this week, no, I guess another thing from the Asian Cup was just, uh, I guess, about the Indian team, how they end up dropping out, which is a bit of a sad story. Hosts basically lost their whole squad to, to COVID. Um, bit, bit of a sad story, but I'll jump in with my own goal, which um, and and I, um, I, you guys might have seen this uh, in the last week. I think it was just just after we recorded the last pod, and it was uh, Arsenal are under investigation for a spot match-fixing uh, incident, which has happened. Um, and who else but Granite Xhaka to be involved? <laughs> he uh, there, there was a £50,000 bet on Granite Xhaka to get a yellow card in a game that Something Arsenal played Something that's firmly in. within his control. <laughs> firmly within his control. And in the 93rd minute of a game, he had a free kick, which he... Delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed until the referee was forced to give him a yellow card. So it's all looking very suspect to me. Uh, he, he can't even fuck up, you know, <laughs> a, a basic thing of match fixing. You're saying he's on real Shaka crown? Or, or? <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 real Arsenal areas to be involved in something a bit dodgy. Although having said that, though, I mean, you could pretty much bet. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of money being put down on Shaka getting a yellow card in specific minutes of every game because, I mean, let's face it, men's a lock to get a yellow card in practically every game. Well, so. what the betting syndicate's finding out is he's an absolute liability in betting as well as football. <laughs> Jesse, own goal, mate. My own goal was for the one and a half million managers who uh, captain Dennis and Fantasy Premier League. Yeah, rip. Um, a moment silence. Um, I may have been one of them. How'd he go in the second game, though? <laughs> What's that? How'd he go in the second game, though, of the double game? I can't game? wait for him to play the second game. He can make it. He can atone in that one, right? <laughs> Red cards not for two games, right? Boys, discussion, news, listener questions. We've got a got a bit here, but um, I just wanted to open up with the the sort of state of the A League. We've had a full weekend of of A League this weekend, but um, 
we've had crowds, ratings, general engagement, and and the vibe as well. Um, a, a bit down. We've had ratings hit sub fifty, um, in in some matches. Um, we've had a match with five hundred or thereabouts attendance uh, as well. Boys, do you think people are finding the league harder than usual to engage with? I mean, personally, I I'm. Yes, uh, was it Sunday? Just a couple of days ago, I didn't realise there was two A League games on. We do a podcast that focuses on the A League, a big time, and Premier League and more. And I didn't realise there was A League on. So how how is it for the casual viewer that doesn't have a Paramount Plus subscription? Yeah, we're doing a podcast on this, and exactly, and I like, didn't even know it was on. And we're like missing games, uh, and you know? we're we're trying to follow the league as a whole. Like even if you're a pretty engaged A League fan, and and you you're just trying to follow your own club's fixtures, some fans of their own club are uh, like are missing their. Like Brisbane fans, well, I didn't missed know the Brisbane the- game yeah. on Sunday, and I do a podcast that I am a Brisbane Raw specialist on the podcast, and I didn't even know they on, were playing. On, off, on, off. I mean, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I signed up to do a football podcast, not an edging podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. On that note. <laughs> We'll also talk a bit of uh, transfer chat because there's a bit of A-League in that as well. Um, uh, I mean, you know, headlines come dog to the to the Central Coast Mariners. The, the 26-year-old striker uh, joins the Mariners from Scottish Premier League side Dundee United on an 18-month deal. Started out at Hibs, got 55 goals in 114 appearances. Um, but your returns and stints like that haven't quite hit that level of consistency. Central Coast manager Nick Montgomery said, as always, we did our due diligence and spoke to numerous people who know Jason personally. And the feedback was that he is very talented. He's a very talented player and has not reached his undoubted potential. Sounds like a high school report card, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. Uh, you, you, listeners might remember he scored twice against Liverpool in the FFA Cup. Oh, excuse me, the FA Cup. Uh, back in January 2020, um, bought himself a ruse kit with his name on it uh, and um, did a YouTube video. Um, and Stephen on Twitter points out that he becomes the third Shrewsbury Town player to grace the A-League after Aaron Amati Holloway Who? and Matt Miller. What a production line of achievement. <laughs> Great Stephen rapper as says. well, Matt Miller. Um, but boys, um, what what do we make? Rip. What do we make of the the, the cum dog transfer? Who wants to jump in on this? It's a match made in heaven, isn't it? I just I can't wait for it. I think it's even if he's not great on the on the pitch, you just know that he's going to do something wild and entertaining off the pitch. Just when you think that they're you know we've reached the peak of A League, <laughs> the clouds part. <laughs> come, come, cometh the man, cometh, cometh the hour. The dog. <laughs> and and he had to join the Central Coast Seamen. I mean, sorry, Mariners. <laughs> Let's, I mean, all, all jokes aside, Cumdog has come to the A-League having not played football in mm. a month and a half. He was essentially banished from Dundee for turning up to a club function dressed as the Joker and the manager really didn't take take <laughs> to it and banned him from training. He hasn't played or trained for trained football since early December. So it's... Uh, and he, he was quoted saying he came to Australia... Um, I've been an Australian citizen. I always saw myself going there and proving myself. I'm not sure how true that is, but uh, I mean, he's going to be good fun regardless. We we know what he's like off the field. We saw the the uh, the wrestling video from when he was at Hibs, where he had his entrance and 
and the come dog character that he created. So he's going to be good fun. And, and to be fair, he'll probably score a few goals. So he's going to be entertaining. Just screams Matt Simon 2.0. It's sort of like <laughs> Matt Simon in an alternate universe if he never buckled And nine down. inches shorter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he just... <laughs> I mean, I, I can't Matt wait. To, I can't wait to just see the memes and just see this. What this guy gets up to on and off the field. Um, Jack McDonald asks, "How many goals will the Cum Dog score for the Mariners, and why is it twenty plus?" <laughs> Maybe 20. is that in eighteen months? Or? Yeah. yeah, in his career, this season twenty plus off the pitch. So he's speaking of stats. He's never scored more than ten goals in a season. Uh, sorry, he has scored more than ten goals in a season, but he hasn't done it since the sixteen seventeen season. And that was in the Scottish Championship, so the second division in Scotland. So, uh, look, I'm, I'm suggesting that he probably won't score more than five. Uh, but, look, we, he strikes me as a player that's capable of the spectacular. So uh, He's gonna... clearly got a bit of confidence about him. Yeah, so, yeah. And the A-League will absolutely love um, Jason Cummings and everything that's about him. So he'll probably thrive on the attention. So I definitely it, think he's got a bit of spunk. <laughs> I reckon you score a baker's dozen because you can put a bun in the oven. <laughs> Boys, I got into a real, um, I got into a real, I, I want to say rabbit hole, but I'll, I'll probably call it a glory hole. Uh, just <laughs> searching cum dog trivia uh, this afternoon. And not suitable for work. No, not suitable for work. I had to, I had to search it on private. You know, just definitely be- no one's at work. I before, guess. <laughs> before we get to that, uh, we've got another question. Kazanaki on Twitter asks us. If he scores a goal, can it be labelled a money shot? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it'd be quickly labelled a cum shot, wouldn't it? Yeah. More like a cross cum shot. Uh, and at Thrill House asks, which MTAG member is getting a cum dog tattoo? Looking at you, Damo. I was stitched up here. I don't, I don't know which one of you blokes has got the password that, to put a my at on this response, but uh, I don't know why I was labelled to get the cum dog tattoo. Oh, I think it was unanimous. I think we all... <laughs> yeah, they're unanimous <laughs> on that. No. Yeah, it's a fair decision, really. <laughs> uh, and moving on, um, plenty of other transfers around the A-League and the Premier League, but Josh Watson asks a, a more Premier League-related question of us, um, asking who's been the most under-the-radar or underrated signing in the Prem so far? Geez, in the... In, in the January window, I think I think you would say is it is it Chiquito who's gone to Wolves? Is that his name? Chiquinho. Chiquinho, who's uh, essentially come as a, a replacement to the inevitable Adama departure. Uh, he's come in, uh, looks like a brilliant player. He looks like he's got goals in him, a lot of speed, a lot of talent. So I think he for three million pounds as well. I think that is an absolute bargain and, and a great signing from Wolves. Benfica were chasing him pretty hard as well. I saw on the, the Guardian this week as well. Tommy, speaking of um, Premier League transfers, as um, uh, Josh is asking us, um, I see you've got your eye on. Did, am I reading this right, Ericsson to Brentford? Yeah, so I think that's I think that's very close to, uh, to on finishing a, up. A six month deal, I'm pretty sure is what it is. Uh, he wants to get himself fit and ready, uh, playing football to try and stake his claim for a spot in the Denmark squad for the World Cup. And he wants to be back in the Premier League and Brentford have cashed in on it so it'd be great to see him playing football again the, da- the, the Danish the Danish sister club Brentford <laughs> it actually is too so yeah. it's Stat. a perfect match Thomas Fra- I think uh, Thomas Frank was like the under 21s manager Danish under 21s manager uh, and managed uh, Ericsson don't look at me for a period as well <laughs> 
A lot of eyes on me right no, now. You seem to know a lot about Denmark, right? <laughs> and Brentford. <laughs> and Thomas Frank. <laughs> yeah. y- your hair is about the Thomas Frank length, actually, now. Yeah, you're a real Frankophile. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a few other transfers. Aussie flavour to this one. Milos Deganak to Columbus Crew. Damo, like this one. Big fan of this. Big fan of Aussies going to the MLS. I've Got me a- out, out your, your boy, Brad Smith, in Seattle. He is my boy. Um, I love seeing Aussies go to the MLS, but I actually think this is a great move. Major League um, Soccer Ruse. Also in Aussie transfer news, Marty Boyle um, confirmed that move to Al-Fazali, Al-Fazali for £3 million um, in uh, the Saudi Pro League. Uh, and so he's, he's finally left Hibs, but Graham Arnold um, put out a statement about that when he was um, announcing the latest Ruse squad, which we'll go through later in the pod um, to say uh, basically he's, he's not too concerned about that. But, geez, Marty Boyle um, pretty much owes Arnie for this retirement check essentially doesn't he well and, and i think a a good message that marty boyle essentially wrote to hibbs fans was that hibbs gave me the opportunity in international football and international football gave me the opportunity at what i have now so yeah he, he does have the socceroos and graham arnold to thank for the position he's in but in the same way you know he's he's done it himself and you know, he's going to a team that's battling relegation in the Saudi Pro League. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. It looks like a, a superannuation check to me. but Hopefully he just doesn't go off the boil in, uh, in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> the boiler is just warming the heart, isn't it? Um, and in the Premier League, um, Ranieri out. That's official, isn't it? Official. Gone. Uh, Watford just doing Watford things. And looking... Tommy, is this? I don't know if this is you or Jesse uh, putting this on the run sheet. Hodson likely to take the Watford job. Mm-hmm. That was me, yeah. Wow, wait. Yeah, it looks like uh, it, it looks like it's pretty close actually, uh, which is a bit terrifying. But uh, yeah, they, I I think the thing about the Watford model, boys. I mean, while we're on it, is that someone the other day I read was comparing it to the Chelsea model, which is you know like you know if you're freaking out about your manager, sack them and get a new one quickly to sort of fix the problem. Problem with what? Is this the Watford model or the Chelsea model? Because I, I thought Chelsea, Chelsea were imitating the Watford model. Well, Ch- Chelsea is the only other club I can think about that would be similar in some kind of way. But the thing about Watford is that you're noticing a trend of more desperation in these ones. Like it's not like mm. it's it, it's a model, I guess, that some people obviously think can work. But these decisions are starting to become more and more Everton-like, and it's just like, can we just grab who we can off the rank? Um, so if they do go for Hodgson, which looks like they're going to. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? I think it's Jennifer Hawkins areas. Isn't you might just get big salmon. Just get I mean, big I d- salmon. I don't know if Hodgson will last a season, and that's not to do with being sacked. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was about to say they just wanted a warm body there, but yeah, maybe he's <laughs> half already. Just a wax figurine of Hodgson at this point. Madame Tussauds, one good manager. <laughs> to be fair, he's probably not going to do much worse. Oh. Final item of um, discussion slash news, boys. Uh, uh, coming out of Metro Sports UK um, reports that the Premier League is set for a huge rule change on COVID match cancellations. Um, so this is basically after all of the postponements in, in the Premier League. Uh, they've floated actually changing the rules now. And I didn't realise this until I read this thread today. And Jesse, you, you put this into the group chat. The rules basically originally said that the clubs could request a postponement if they were unable to put a squad together of 13 players plus a keeper. But the effect that this had was that um, 
injuries and involvement in international tournaments like AFCON basically counted towards those postponements and just everyone got pissed off and you ended up with all of these match postponements, including when Arsenal postponed the North London derby. Um, So now there's a rule change that basically means that it's only going to be COVID-related absence that count towards that postponement request rather than this automatic trigger. Um, don't know what's going to happen with clubs that have already been on the wrong end of any of these postponements. Um, mm. Don't know what the sort of consequential changes to this will be given, yeah, we've had half of one and maybe half of this other new rule, but, I mean, do we like it? I mean, I, m- my thoughts on it when I read it today was that it just feels very after the fact, like, I mean... Um, the horse is bolted, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's been so many outbreaks on the squads and, I mean, I don't actually think there's many squads now that have got... I mean, it, surely it's a minority of players that haven't caught it so we would hope, as far as watching the Premier League, that most of the postponements are behind us for now because of the uh, the fact that most of the players have probably already had COVID. But, uh, yeah, you just feel like this probably needed to be implemented from the start, so it's kind of chasing your tail a little bit. Yeah, it does feel a bit like that. And it also feels a little bit in line with the, you know, the English... British government sort of moving away from isolation and everything to do with COVID and they've taken that step. So the Premier League have had to take a similar step to, you know, lessen their rules and their restrictions on COVID. So it's, uh, well, you know, it's good for us. We get to watch more football. So that's all I care about. And crucially, it's um, it's going to make Fantasy Premier League a little bit, more, little bit smoother, eh, Jesse and Tommy? <laughs> yep. Well, hopefully. I'm, I'm just <laughs> glad that I've saved my chips for late in the season. <laughs> Plenty of chips left in the bowl. <laughs> what about the keys? There's a few keys in there as well. <laughs> Speaking of well, chips, uh, the FFA Cup semi-final um, this Saturday, boys, um, 29th of Jan. Melbourne victory hosting Wellington at Geelong, of all places. Uh, Blue territory. Much to, the, um, much to the disgust of many of the victory fans. Uh, what what do we think of this venue? Because actually, they're playing at Geelong because the Woo are playing at Amy that night. That's fantastic. Um, I was going to say, I'm sure all the Woo fans are probably pretty upset as well that, that, that they can't play in Geelong because Melbourne Victory are playing there too. But yeah, um, they can't play at home. Yeah, <laughs> but um, all yeah. twenty of them. <laughs> Beat me to it. Um, but yeah, I guess um, it's just an unfortunate unfortunate situation where somehow we have. A fixture clash in the A League um, over home grounds, where like I mean, we, how many how many teams do we even have in the same cities? Like, I mean, cl- classic Aussies. This is the headline, but really, what we're worried about is the Phoenix taking home the Blizzlow Cup. <laughs> well, I mean, the, it could have been um, a bit of a rugby pitch because we've we've got the Socceroos playing at Amy Park on Thursday night, and all the victory fans were sort of saying, "Well, you know, the, the stadium's free on Friday and Sunday, so you know, why don't we why don't we just jam it in there?" But um, uh, you know, I think that'd be a bit much for even uh, a world-class venue like Amy Park. But boys, who do we think is going to go through? You know, the head says victory, unfortunately, but you know, the heart says next. I would love to see a Wellington Central Coast final, but I've got a feeling it's going to be Melbourne victory, which I hate even more because that makes me think that the final is going to be in Melbourne. But if if it's Wellington, I feel like the final would be in Central Coast, and I really want to see the FFA Cup final in Central Coast. 
Imagine the choice at um, at FFA headquarters where they put a choose between having him Wollongong or Gosford. Yeah, you take it, <laughs> oh, take it to the oh, take it to the meltdown. Checkos will look after you. Yeah, because of course in the other um, semi final last Tuesday, the Mariners got up over Sydney, um, and Corica, uh, to paraphrase, said that they dominated despite having forty nine percent possession. And I think you've already answered it, boys. The Mariners. I mean, we want to see a FFA Cup final at at Gosford, don't we? Glory of the Cup, isn't it? Yeah. Have the final in Gosford. That's all we want to see. Uh, coming up next, we'll chat some Isuzu Ute A-League men. He tried to play in Ninkovic again and victory, having been under pressure, can now break forward. And that is some pass from Rojas for Falami. Cam Sober. Again, they're affording Elvis Cam Sober space here. And we've seen this season that he can benefit from that as Buhaj's ball in, the chance for Ninkovic! Falami, wonderfully done, elegantly done, Falami still, and there it is! Robbie Cruz! Celebrations on the bench! Easier opportunity. Bring out all the artillery, and they are back on level terms! And it's Bobo, the experienced man, the Brazilian, who was the key to three consecutive victories last season. All right, boys. Well, we've just come off uh, a very entertaining big blue where Melbourne Victory extended their lead atop the table um, to two points after an entertaining draw. Goals from Falami, Milos Ninkovic, checking my notes, Robbie Cruz, <laughs> and Bobo. Sydney, meanwhile, have slumped to three matches without a win. Um, their, their former stars, O'Neill and Brillante, captaining their various oppositions over recent weeks. Their current stars, ageing and ineffective. I don't care if Bobbo scored in this game. And yes, we're calling him Bobbo on this pod. Bo-bo-bo-bo. Is it just a dip or are we going to see a season without Sydney competing for the title? Yeah, look, it's funny because you know, we, we did the preview pod and we all kind of tip Sydney to do really well and to be up in and around there and and then as the season began we all started to think has Sydney been found out and it's it's kind of what's the question is what what's going wrong because they really haven't has been massive turnover in in the squad in their key players haven't left they've brought other key players back in so something is not right uh, whether teams have found them out or I don't know what's going on in Sydney, but just something doesn't quite click at the moment. It's a bit of a case of death by a thousand cuts. Like that, that squad has gradually over the years um, not been the same that it has been. And now, like you look at the the eleven that was put out by Sydney tonight, and yes, they did have some uh, key absentees through either injury or through Socceroos call ups. But um, like there's 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 some either very old players in Ninkovic or Wilkinson in their late thirties. And then you've got uh, Caceres, who has never been really, honestly, much more than like a bit part player at an A-League side. And but I know, I him, know that he's been... doing very well this season, but he is their best player. And he's having sort of the form of his life. And even then, like, he, I don't think anyone is... Um, I don't think... I think it, if you're a Sydney FC fan, you'd say if, if Caceres having the season of his life is our best player, that's pretty grim. Yep. I don't think they're getting advanced enough, though, because we were, we were calling them, or at least I was calling them cutback FC the last couple of seasons where they would just always get to the byline, cut it back, and then you'd have Lafondre or someone to, to tap it in. 
I mean, I think some some chat's been about the fact that they haven't necessarily had as much um, uh, efficiency in front of goal, but it's also getting the ball to the person in front of goal. And we did see a few crosses today across the, um, uh, like, flat crosses, but no one's bombing down there like, you know, you're Ryan Grant. No, no, no one's bombing. Sarg, who I think is more of almost a converted centre-back. Mm. I mean, I think Victory were playing in some ways more like what we would have described Sydney play the last couple of years where they had their fullbacks high. The yeah. patterns of play look really different to the Sydney FC we've seen in recent sure. years. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and it, but, you know, that's sort of the appeal of the A-League, right? Is that, is that that's, that's the reason the salary cap is in place and the reason that... Mm. That, that's why the A-League is what it is, is that we have teams that are dominant that become less dominant because there are other teams that figure them out or have better financials to be able to get the right plays in at the right time. And you can't stay dominant in the A-League for an extended period of time the way it is at the moment. And also, as... Um, and they kind of... They ran their run, Sydney. They've had three, four years at the top and that might be the end of their run. As an as an A League podcast, uh, just as we had the the glorious season last year, where we got to see Melbourne Victory fans melt down like this, this is already looking to be the season where, at the first sign of, like maybe not winning silverware or competing for every single trophy, we're we're, we're seeing Sydney FC fans on social media just like melt down and and you love to see it. Just complain <laughs> about how hard it is watching their team and all Spare of this me. kind of stuff. Just, <laughs> just crying into their protein checks. We're talking about like comparing Sydney this year with Melbourne Victory last year. At this point, and yes, I know all the teams have played a different number of games. Sydney is still sixth, so like we also need to. That's what I mean. It's the very first sign of hardship, and I'm, I've already like the outside some of the top Sydney two the fans first... like crying on Twitter. Yeah, outside of the top two for the first time in what six or seven years. Must be hard being a Sydney FC fan. Spare me. Unbelievable. <laughs> and and speaking of Sydney, their their previous match in this game week I, I don't know like what round this is i don't know what day it is like we, we've had it's free for all it's it's so hard to follow on the keep up website because they're, they're calling the matches in the week they were originally scheduled originally scheduled so it's all over the shop but of course uh they did go down uh one uh, to two to uh perth at cogra yep that was a great way of saying that um <laughs> but i've never heard a football match described in that the, way the the um that the official A-League account tweeted about... This was mainly about Perth. They were tweeting, it's six weeks without a competitive fixture oh. for Perth. But, I mean, really, that's excluding Brisbane, who they lost to that week, but whatever. Not very, what, very, very competitive, are they? Rip. <laughs> um, but Perth had their first win at Sydney in six years, um, thanks to O'Neill and Fornaroli with the goals for them. Um, Sydney got a late consolation penalty late in injury time. But, yeah, Sydney, again, just those consecutive games without a win we, we've talked about what's going wrong with them but for, for Perth how, how good is this to to finally get a win after um, after so long not even having a game yeah well I mean obviously we, we, we might talk about their their first game back from their sort of hiatus which they played against Brisbane which wasn't so great but to come against Sydney and, and to get a win is, is a great result for Perth um but I think the big question about Perth Glory is kind of what happens, right? You know, we've seen what uh, the that they came to the eastern side of the country, and and while they were here playing their games, they've been locked out of Western Australia. So, um, do do Perth 
Do they have to create a, a hub sort of like Wellington have done in Wollongong or you get your own city though? So, sort of what's what what's the plan for Perth? I was listening to the um, official A Leagues podcast. They were interviewing Brandon O'Neill, and he was saying that basically the the club is like shopping around at the moment. Basically, it's all in the works. The the club are trying to get them to go to all these regional centres where they don't have an A League team. Like they're trying to go there. You know, thinking of going to Gold Coast and other Adelaide. I mean, there's plenty of stadiums <laughs> in the western suburbs. But yeah, so it seems like long another team in July. <laughs> Damo, to sort of finish your thought, it seems like that they're probably the answer is they're probably not going to have a hub like the Phoenix, but they're probably just going to, you know, be a touring circus for you know as long as it takes before McGowan opens like the, the Woo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Send them in Canberra, man. Get them in Canberra. I mean, That'd they be may. A great they may do Tasmania, them, Canberra. They they looking at all of those places. It seems from listening to that interview with Brendan O'Neill. Just, well, if you were the A League, then you, you sort of trialed the phoenix in wollongong as a can we have a club in wollongong is there the capacity to host one wouldn't you think that the opportunity arises let's host perth glory in canberra let's host them in tasmania in a future sort of I mean, it's, market for an a-league it's club. screaming out to you you've got canberra and the and the women's league you know why not why not do it? Is Monica Oval a real honey spot of uh, honey pot of, of A-League football? Um, just a quick, uh, there's a nice segue to um, just a quick bit of tactics chat, guys. Um, notice that this is also uh, applicable to tonight's game. So Sydney didn't deal well with Perth overloading um, their back line. So I noticed that in, in the goals and the build-up to the goals that, you know, it wasn't just the front front men, um, Fornaroli and Sturridge, but there was there was also the midfielders were really pressing high and pushing the, the Sydney defence back, and they were actually outnumbered. And it was almost like they were putting about four or three players up there and overloading. And then tonight, I mean, we haven't had too much time to, to digest the, the um, Melbourne game, but I feel like Victory did a similar thing where they just, especially near the end, they were f- throwing bodies forward and Sydney didn't know how to deal with it. Um, what do you guys think of that? Do you notice anything like that tonight? Well, especially with the inexperienced fullbacks that Sydney had there. I mean, I'm calling Connor O'Toole inexperienced. Yes, like it's his first mm. appearance for Sydney. And then we said that who, who was on the other side, Van der Sark, who looks like a converted centre-back. So, yeah, not not first choice for Sydney. So, yeah, if that's the tactic, it looks pretty sound. I mean, Falami ran past about three or four players. And they had something. in that game, just going back to the big blue. Like. And, 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 and Cruz actually scored off across where the fullback was, the Sydney, Sydney fullback was nowhere to be seen. Um, so I, I think that might be a vulnerability and that might be one of the many problems that Sydney has to deal with in the coming weeks. Mariners won Melbourne City three. Big win for City. Uh, they were missing a few of their key players, Tommy. They were missing... Uh, good race uh, Jamison is he a big player query Griffiths uh, and Jenkinson's only just arrived uh, having played centre back uh, for a, you know just a mere 15 minutes this looked like a really interesting one on paper given um, Central Coast's form this season and um, City have only sort of just really started to hit their groove um, we also saw um, a really promising performance from young Jordan Boss. Uh, got two points on the Alex Tobin medal count. And like we were all like watching this going, who the hell's this bloke? Like, I've never heard of this guy before. Yeah, Jamison looks different this week. He played, <laughs> he played out of his skin. He was just a revelation. Um, but just before we um, gas up City too much, let's just talk about the Mariners. Um, is this a hangover from their big FFA Cup semi-final win? I think that's an easy excuse. I think you know you, 
you, you play midweek and you can make an excuse for the weekend, but they're professional athletes. You've got to be able to play every couple of days, and I don't think that's a valid excuse. Um, yeah, you can't just sail into port, you know, have a victory and drink shitloads of rum and then not, you know, do the business the next day. But I don't think it's... I, I think I think the question, um, and I don't know whether this is a Tommy question on the, on the run sheet or not, but I think it's more around is are they right like you know they've had a big win and that's like it's almost like oh that's our grand final that's that's the kind of vibe i got from that question and now you know not so much that you know fixtures uh, in a row but more like we've had a big result and we've just sort of been like well that was that was pretty good let's just you know it's melbourne city but like let's not forget that this is a mariners team and we're actually doing pretty well this season like relative to to previous years and who finished third last season let's not forget yeah, that exactly. and who won't back down we're, we're a mariners pod and uh, this is City, who have started the season really poorly by their own standards. So I think the Mariners would have looked at this game and went, we're, we're a chance here to knock off the, the reigning premiers and champions. Particularly and, after you've just beaten Sydney in a cup semi-final. Yeah. I, like, personally, I would think that is a point of, we can beat these guys this weekend. And it's not necessarily a hangover of... Hey, we just won a cup semi-final. Where in the final, we can sort of relax in the league this weekend. It was, and to be fair, like watching this game, it was pretty tight. I think the three-one scoreline flatters City a little yeah, bit. I think two-one so. is a bit more reflective of it. Yeah. That, and we've got to remember that late Carl Jenkinson um, goal to make it three for Melbourne City. I mean, I don't know how much you can read into that, and we'll talk about Jenkinson in a moment, but. Yeah, two one is probably a bit more the scoreline, and it it's, it played a bit closer when you actually watched it. I think they're more, they're more clinical, city ultimately, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Um, Arinha had a good goal for the Mariners, but um, yeah, they, they created a few chances. But like you said, Jesse, they they just needed to be a bit more clinical. Just on Jenkinson though, uh, like didn't he come out of nowhere, Tommy? Uh, yeah, it was pretty much the first that anyone, I think, in Australia had heard about him for about the past five years was that he was arriving here and he was signing for City. So, um, like, some some people might remember him from probably about five years ago in the Premier League, which is probably when he was last most notable, um, but since sort of been bobbling around in the, the championship for the last uh, two years. Um, but for him to rock up now in the A-League when he's, he's still only, I think, 29, so... Physically, I think he's still in okay shape, but um, could could turn out to be a pretty massive signing for, for City if he arrives, I guess, inevitably with the... It all comes down to attitude, I think, for, for him. Is he is he here for a holiday or is he here to, to prove that he's still a player? And he's still, what, 29 or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And good pedigree, played like 50, what, 50-something games for West Ham, 70-something games. I don't have the stat in front of me for Arsenal. It's a lot of Premier League uh, yeah, games, right? so It's almost like, 125 games, I think, in the Premier League. Played a lot, so decent signing. And without any like fanfare or anything, it's just like, yeah, we've got Jenkinson. Because the, the only thing that might be a little bit concerning was that Forest fans weren't particularly sad to see him go. Um, they were kind of like, yeah, okay, this guy's been stealing a living for the past two years, and it's like, okay... We've seen players that maybe have come to Australia with a bad attitude before, and yeah. So we've got Rodwell, Jenkinson, yeah. Cumdog. <laughs> like, if you've what got could a, go wrong? If you've got a bad attitude and you're going to steal a living, like come to the A League, we'll, we'll give that, you a little that's, salary. That's how Australia. That's how Australia. <laughs> that's how Australia was founded. A League clubs are lining up for Jack Wilshere. <laughs> you know it to be true. Incoming. Incoming. 
So uh, I think Zappers mentioned uh, on the the telecast about City being uh, City lining up a number ten, a Japanese number ten that they were going to be signing in the coming days. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, Kagawa, he's in Belgium at the moment, playing for Centruden alongside um, uh, Libby Kakache and Honda. Apparently, according to his Wikipedia, is in Lithuania playing in the wait for it the A Liga. Um, so uh, coincidence? Maybe we, we could see Honda returning. Maybe Kagawa's coming. I don't know. Outside of those two, I don't know who else it could be. We've moved on from Honda. We've got a, a Suzu Ute now. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> doesn't even do a year, do they? No, it's too easy to look at these big names that are Japanese number 10s. I think we've seen the amount of talent, technical footballers that Japan can produce. Mm. If if you say you're signing a Japanese number 10, you could go as low as the third division of of Japan's football leagues. Well, they had a Japanese number 10 last year as well, didn't they? Was it uh, Sabaki? I think it was. I can't remember his name, but... Uh, and he didn't turn out to be particularly good. So. Well, I mean, to Damo's point, I look at Riku Danzaki. He's a J2 level player in mm. Japan and he was brilliant for the Raw. I'd love to have him in the team still. So you, so you can pick up a, a Japanese number 10 of sorts from, from the top two leagues of Japan who plays regularly and they'll probably come to their league and do a great job. So, you know, to, to, I, I, it would be great to see some big names like Kagawa and Honda, but... I don't think it's either of them. It's going to be someone we've never heard of. Boys, let's move on. Um, Brisbane, after getting a sweaty win over the Perth Glory, um, who were dusting off the cobwebs after six weeks with no football, um, have just gone and lost uh, You know, three goals to one uh, at home to Adelaide. Um, it was the great Goodwin show, of course. Good win for Adelaide. Good win for Adelaide. Um, it's a great win. It was a great win for Adelaide, but I mean, really, it's it's more of a loss for Brisbane. But Tommy has asked here on the run sheets, is is this the worst ever raw team? And and Tommy, I don't mind this question from you, but let's let's hear from you, Damo. Look, I I, I was a season ticket holder at Brisbane from the first season through to when Ange Postecoglou got the job, and that was a very hard time to be a Brisbane raw fan. I think there was nearly. Nearly three years where Brisbane didn't win a home game. So it's it's tough to say this is the worst Brisbane Raw team mm. of all time. Mm. We've had some really, really bad teams. We've also had some really, really good teams, obviously. Always competitive, at least, throughout that period, though. Like, you had the well, entertaining we, Blyberg era. You had the Frank Farina era. They were entertaining. I think they, they, they've always been a talking point. But Brisbane have gone through periods of being... The best and being the worst, going back to being the best and being the worst, and they've kind of transitioned through those periods for a long time, and kind of feels to me that Brisbane are at a very low point at the moment, and and I think I shared this in the group chat this week is Brisbane have, have relied a lot on assigning MPL and local talent uh, this year and last year, and we just signed some A League quality players, mate. Well, that's the problem, right? Is that you can't win either way as, as an A-League club. And I think that's exactly what I said is A-League fans, if, if you sign international players, all they beg for is to sign local players and give local players a chance. And the Raw have done that. And all Raw fans now are begging for is sign us some international talent, sign us some big players. And, you know, it's... it's you can't, you can't have it both ways, but Brisbane are going through a tough period. And this is, this is definitely one of the worst Brisbane teams we've seen in terms of performance. 
And like I said at the start of the season, it's come to a point now where Warren Moon's job has to be in question. Uh, whether or not the performances are there or not, his, his job has to be in question because Brisbane aren't performing. I saw a really interesting tweet uh, during the week from a Brisbane Raw fan that basically said that the difference between Brisbane, you know, having the history that it has with, with the titles and all of that kind of stuff and the success they had from then on was, was Ange. It was Ange was the only person that came in and, and made the difference. And basically from then it's just been riding on those coattails and every team has just been sort of going downhill since like, sure. We won that other premiership under Mulby, right? And like, but it was the same side. But yeah. It's the same side. It's the same way that Kevin Musket rode and Postacoglu's success at Melbourne Victory. It's uh, it's it's a really good point. I haven't I haven't kind of theorized and it's like, it that if you, way. If you take the Ange Postacoglu era out of Brisbane Royal Football Club, there's no difference between Brisbane and Newcastle. Central Coast, even. Well, Central Coast had a. Well, had they a had Arnie. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. Like. You know, you can you can um, get international players in. You can develop players in an A League level in this salary cap league that we've we've had from inception. But the difference, the key difference, when it really comes back comes down to it, and you step away and look at the the history books, it's it's a manager. I mean, I saw another question on the run sheet, which is if Andrew's team were Ross Alona, what is his current team? Mm, Arsenal. I, I was going to say. I was actually <laughs> going to say Ross Alona. But in 2022. That's a good point. They are 2022. It's the same club. Barcelona. Brisbane. Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Final game of A-League before we get on to a bit of Premier League. Wellington 2, Western United 1. Jesse, finally, you're on the pod and we've got a Wellington victory to talk about. Um, I mean, I first of all, just want to throw to you. Talk us through it. The key is in the abbreviation of the game. Well won. <laughs> yeah no i mean you know thank fuck for that guys because i mean i've i've sat through a few uh through ball breakers um i think one of the last ones i was on was when uh the wanderers ran the length of the field and and scored a tap in with no goalkeeper um to win two nil so it hasn't been the uh the hottest season but i mean we talked a lot in the preseason about quite a few young players and quite a few big outs for the next and it's just good to see that some of the players that have come back and some with experience um hooper being one of them or should i say super duper gary hooper oh, here he is it's um it's just good to see some of those players stepping up and we have a new uh mexican star on the horizon lads what did you make of the performance uh of uh gael gael he is a Gale scorer. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. A Gale <laughs> on debut. <laughs> like no, no, Gale I thought... For, like no. a Gale Force win coming off of... Uh, coming off the bay. I and thought he was stadium. good. I thought Wellington were really good. Uh, it was it was a good game to watch. Is he Davia 2.0? That's obviously what uh, the Phoenix want him to be. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. We haven't had a midfielder who... I mean... I. I'm not going to compare them like for like, but we haven't had a, def- uh, a midfielder who sort of makes a, a late run. Maybe Burgess when he was there did this a little bit, but we've kind of missed that for a while. We were relying too heavily on a, a number 10 and having a player like Davila in the, in the pocket. Whereas what I think we need sometimes is just someone to run like, kind of like, um, well, I know you might not be there anymore, but Mork for um, Adelaide, like someone who's just making that late run and can still score goals. So hopefully he's that kind of player. Well, remains to be seen but it's exciting to have sort of a different tool in the kit 
And just onto the Wu, um, they've yet to score more than one goal in a game. Any theories why? John Aloisi. It's, it's hard to agree. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with trying to play Lockie Wales as a 10. Like oh, uh, hard to not agree with that too. <laughs> <laughs> and releasing oh. Bessart Barisha. Yeah, that, that seems like a, you know, a big... What's big, he doing these days? Probably playing for uh, Dandenong City in the NPL. Yeah. I mean, has anybody found a way to blame the Wu Active Support for this? <laughs> the Western Service Group. <laughs> Put some respect on Gerald's name, Jesse. <laughs> a few potholes on the on the freeway out towards uh, Geelong, is there? Yeah, look, Wu seem to be in a bit of trouble. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure we've spoken about this many times, uh, particularly when they were doing really well at the start of the season. We said that yeah, it looks really good for them at the moment, but... They're not conceding goals. When they go 1-0 up, they're fine. But if they concede, they just don't get results. And it's seemingly that's the pattern of their games. If, if they concede goals, they don't get points. And we saw in this game, uh, Lacroix and Young, oh, who are Mayo. so <laughs> crucial to the way Wu defend. And, and we've spoken about this at length, how teams go down the wing, they cut the ball back, and Lacroix just empties it. He is mm. the Virgil van Dijk of the A-League, and we've seen that many times. And and for for the Knicks' first goal, Lacroix was at fault. He he was out of place, mm. and someone scored. Uh, him and Young had a miscommunication, and the goal went in. And the second goal, he got caught probably 10, 15, 20 yards forward of his, of his defensive line. He got nutmegged on the through ball, and, and that was the second goal. And, you know, it seems as though Lacroix and Young... Uh, the most crucial parts of West of Western United's team, and that's a horrible thing to say as a Western United fan because if you've got your two most defensive players as the most crucial part of your team, you're in trouble, aren't you? Because there's only so much you can rely on defensive positioning and not conceding goals to get your points. I mean, I haven't watched the Warriors closely um, since I've been back from from overseas, lads. But I mean. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know, but I went overseas. Diamante, I mean... Well, I went it, to Melbourne. Is the, is the team gelling? Diamante's too busy on Ligon Street at um, Papagino's, I think. Well, I, I just can't wait for the... following the Carlton in the, in the off-season. I, it's, it's, I mean, I think there's a way to blame the AFL for this. <laughs> <laughs> too many Sharons at the training ground, I reckon. I just think maybe too much money's been spent in marketing and a little less on players. A little less on stadium development. Somebody should have done a reply video to that video where they were talking about being the, the dominant team in Melbourne in the future and somebody could be like, but in that video, there's no still no stadium. <laughs> should we talk a bit of Premier League, boys? Yeah, let's do it. that takes the responsibility and the pull comes round the back to score. Another headed goal that the Saints have conceded. But a way back into the game for Manchester City. Half an hour's with the playing time ahead of them. Boys, this was robbery at uh, St Mary's, wasn't there? In Southampton hosting Manchester City, uh, one all. 
Good on you, Kyle Walker-Peters, you bloody legend. Uh, you, you may have opened back up the title race, but question for, for Jesse here. Uh, are Southampton circling the drain, or <laughs> might they be on the way up? Fucking Southampton, eh? Um, Southampton does, does anything, and everyone just looks at Jesse. It's just, they're my kryptonite. <laughs> City's kryptonite as well, all of them. Very, very good management from Ralph, which... You know, just let that sink in because when we've talked about Ralph a lot on this pod, we've talked about him losing 9-0 and, and the likes. So he's he's one of two things. He's either brilliant or he just gets absolutely pasted. But when, when he's brilliant, he lives up to the reputation as the, uh, what's he, the Alpine Klopp, he was called at one stage. Yeah. I mean, he is he is a very good manager. Was that Daniel Farker? <laughs> I, I mean, how many Klopps can you have? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Hasenhudel. Anyway, um, I mean, the encouraging thing for, for Hasenhutl and the squad is that they, they've shown a commitment to his style and, and there are other clubs around them or below them, obviously, like we're going to talk about shortly, who have capitulated because either the players aren't playing for their manager or they don't believe in what the manager's trying to implement. And the thing about Southampton is say what you want about the squad and the quality and like I have I've sort of said that they probably haven't got the quality to stay out much longer, but they clearly believe in the manager's style. And when they do click, they're, they're a handful, especially when they play at home. And uh, City, well, I mean, it's, it's an impressive result. And let's not forget that Southampton got the clean sheet um, against City in the reverse fixture earlier in the season. So they've been a bit of a pain in the ass for Pep, to put mildly. Yeah, and um, I was reading a stat on that, actually. It was the first time they've um, been undefeated in both of their Premier League games against City uh, since ninety four, ninety five. A rough stat against Manchester City too, who only became good ten <laughs> years ago. <laughs> it was like almost almost fifteen years. <laughs> so even when they them. were shit, Southampton yeah. couldn't win both fixtures against or couldn't uh, stop losing against City. It's a wild uh, ride that one. A very wild ride. Um, but I mean, what what does this what does this mean for the title race? Let's let's just let's just talk about that because. It's what we all wanted to see. Liverpool, um, back-to-back whoa, whoa, whoa. wins. Tommy? Not, not what everyone wanted to see. Everyone wanted we to see. We want to see a title race. We, we want to see a title know. race. So we want a competitive Liverpool, league. We don't want it to be over after 20-something match days. I'm sorry, Carl. We keep going. But really, we wanted <laughs> Liverpool to still be in this. Nine points now instead of what could it have been? 11, I suppose, after this. Uh, Nine points and Liverpool still got a game in hand as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were saying just before that games in hand can be a little bit sort of misleading, but still, I mean, Liverpool, um, uh, not sure who their game in hand actually is. It's a bit hard to keep track of. It's Burnley, this. actually. <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. So Burnley it's never going to happen. Yeah. Burnley are Arsenal, so it's never going to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Liverpool, really, uh, apart from City or maybe Chelsea, they would think that they can beat anyone in the league really so um they would expect that they would pick up those extra three points so okay so does anybody here think that city is not going to win the league nope not um not realistically i think the thing about that is uh liverpool would have to be basically perfect between now here and the end of the season and anybody watched the palace game um and obviously some of the games preceding that is we're just giving away so many opportunities um, City just aren't giving that many opportunities to the op- I mean that Walker-Peters goal was a screamer but they're just not giving up as many opportunities as Liverpool is and if Palace were a little bit more clinical then they would have punished us so I think you, you just it didn't look like a title winning defence well let's then talk about the uh, exciting top four race boys 
Uh, Manchester United, West Ham, 1-0. Tommy, was this a playoff for sixth spot? That's my question. I put that in there. You can't <laughs> ask me that question. <laughs> and also because I don't want to answer well, that well, question. Well, we just why don't you, you ask uh, yourself? Sit through the, we've made you sit through this one because you didn't catch it live. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So you've, you've had the pleasure. So I guess a couple of points. Um, uh, first one, it didn't really look like West Ham had any real clear-cut chances. Um, Man United were absolutely battering the, the, the West Ham goal. So... Um, some would say it was a bit of a resumption of normal normal service uh, for those two clubs, but um, yeah, look at, at this point in the season, after like West Ham are one of three teams who hasn't had a game postponed, um, they already have a, an absolute threadbare squad. I think even against Leeds, Moyes said that he wanted to sub uh, Antonio, but he said he was gassed pretty much from the 60 minute, uh, 60th minute onwards, uh, but had no one to replace him with, so. Um, not at all surprised that in a game this important at this point in the season, West Ham are just unable to really just keep up with a squad that has far more depth, uh, like Manchester United. Even though they are kind of struggling at the moment, but um, when you you're able to bring Rashford off the bench, yeah, you're always going to be in with a shout to to uh, find a little bit of quality in the. I mean, I mean, I believe you guys brought on Ryan Fedrick, so um, you know. Yeah, it says it all, really. Not even Premier League quality. An apple calling an apple, right? <laughs> mm. I mean, that, that, that's, been, that's been a conversation since the beginning of the season and beyond, though, Tommy, is that you have, you know, you have a really strong starting eleven. You have actually started to bolster the squad, but, you know, as you've seen with your European games as well, like, you are going to be stretched. Your squad's going to be stretched sometimes. So, Man United, you know, with those, with that amount of quality on the bench, they should be getting more results. So I mean, it's it's a bit of a, a kick in the balls that result, but it, it's not so much that one that hurts. It's the fact that we didn't beat Leeds a week ago that probably hurts more because um, games like against Man United, especially at Old Trafford, you're not necessarily expecting to get anything from that. Even a point at Old Trafford is good and still uh, for a lot of teams, but uh, not beating Leeds at home that that that's the one that really is the one that you're going to look back on the season and go, that that's the one that cost us. No one likes conceding the hat-trick to the Premier League, D'Agostino. <laughs> wow. Moving on, boys. A lot of uh, lot of good games of Premier League. I, I don't want to linger on this one, but uh, Everton-Aston Villa. Aston Villa got up 1-0, and I just wanted to say that Dinier's off the mark for assists for the season. Oh, uh, mean, do, you mean, Dean. do you mean Luca Dean? Oh, yeah, sorry, Luca Dean. <laughs> <laughs> one word. Luca Dean. Uh, um, too bad it was uh, his first game against his former club. Rip, rip. Watford Norwich. Uh, this was this was uh, a, a relegation six pointer. Um, if, if you've ever seen one, but Norwich convincingly three nil uh, over Watford, and of course Ranieri got the sack as we mentioned earlier in the show. Do we need a predictions redo? This is another question that's been pre-populated into the run sheet. As you can tell, listeners, I've done an extensive run sheet today. <laughs> but uh, actually, if I could just step in and answer that question, first of all, boys, I predicted that Norwich would stay up. So we'll have to go. check the tapes. <laughs> well, check I mean, the tapes, check them. Have we... I mean, I, here's a question for everybody. I mean, have we? has Watford lost more managers or has Norwich gone up and down more than us? going between Norwich and Watford as a pod. Let, let's keep in mind that, you know, we're talking about games in hand and we've spoken about that a lot, but Norwich have got full games in hand on the teams below them. I'm pretty sure they've got 
two games in hand on Newcastle, two on Watford and four on Burnley. So they're the three teams below them. So we talk about games in hand as people envision themselves winning three points in each. But, um, you know, I, I would imagine that if every team was have to have played 22 games right now, Norwich would still be in the bottom three. Insert Canary coal mine but, joke here. But Josh Sargent is my boy, so let's go. <laughs> well, that's a that's a good segue, Damo, because second question on the run sheet is, should Norwich be renamed Josh Sargent's Lonely Hearts Club Band? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Wait, when did Norwich get the uh, the 50,000 stripes on their logo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, say. <laughs> I believe. Why are they singing? Why are they singing "Fight and Win" in the crowd? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think that's probably all we've got. (laughs) The East East Anglican baggy birds. (laughs) Oh wowie! But it is it is looking incredibly tight at the bottom of the table. That that win does see Norwich step out of the relegation zone just by a point over Newcastle, um, and they're only two points ahead of Watford there and uh, four ahead of Burnley. So. It's, it's very tight down there. And then you've got Everton um, three points ahead of Norwich. So uh, very tight at the bottom. Chelsea, meanwhile, going down or go, getting up 2-0 over Tottenham. Chelsea still in it or? Ch- Chelsea Spurs is a, it's a foregone conclusion, really, over the last 20 or so years. Chelsea's record against Spurs is impeccable. I think if you go back and look at their results since probably the mid to late 90s, Chelsea have very, very rarely lost Spurs. It's, 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 uh, and a, a Chelsea fan friend of mine says, I wish we could play Spurs every week, given the results that we've had over the last 30 years. It's Tottenham. Lads, it's Tottenham. <laughs> I mean, but Conte going back for the first time, I think. Second well, time? I, I think, I think time. the biggest kind of talking point about this is that's, Conte went nine games in the league undefeated with Spurs since he started. And that's his first loss in the league. So that, that's, that's a great stretch of games for Spurs. Um, I don't think that means Chelsea is still within the hunt of the league title. I think they're, 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 ways, out. they're a ways off. Um, I almost feel Liverpool are a ways off. But you never know what can happen. But Chelsea is just that next step below. So... It's, uh, it's a huge result in terms of uh, what happens in the top four and the top six in European spots, but I don't feel it's a huge result in terms of the title race. Uh, Ziyech, absolute want. Want of a left foot. Um, and plenty more games of Premier League this week, but we just don't have time to go through them. But we, we, do, we do have to mention Tottenham's game from last week. Um, even though it was last week, we don't normally mention the, the the games from the previous week in the pod, but we didn't get to talk about it. But Jesse, just want to throw to you on this one. I mean, how do you lose a game when you're in the 94th minute and, you know, what are you, 2-1 up? I mean, we haven't seen this, well, since Everton. Well, actually, I think Spurs broke the record for the latest time in a game that they've gone on to win the match since Manchester City won the league on the final day in 2012. There are some games that you just feel lucky to have watched live. Like I just was just watching that game live. It was a good time of the day. And it's like a few years ago when I was watching the um, the Barcelona versus PSG return leg when Neymar basically 
dragged them back and um Sergio Roberto I think scored the winner in the last minute to it was a, a ridiculous comeback from Barcelona but it was just one of those games where, where you were you remember where you were and it was like that game with Tottenham was just like it was just absurd it was absurd like it was absurd especially the last moment where Telemans just like it was it was one of those moments where like it was it was the home crowd and the home occasion that actually worked against Leicester because Telemans and clearly the Leicester players thought from the, the kickoff that they just lost the game so they had to win it again mm. and that actually worked against them because as soon as they lost the ball came with an absolute peach of a pass and that Bergfine finish was a was captivating because it didn't look like it was actually going to go in it looked like he was probably going to hit the bar and it just kissed the bar and in you know what I saw a really good uh, a really good tweet or article whatever it was and it was about Arsenal two days before had scored an equaliser to make it 2-2 in the 94th minute and they celebrated like they had won the league. All the players ran to the, the corner of the ground to celebrate with the away fans. Whereas when Spurs equalised to make it 1-1 v Leicester, four players went to the ball in the back of the net and pushed Michael out of the way, grabbed the ball in the 94th minute, took it back to the halfway line and said, we can win this. And that was the difference between an Arsenal side and a Spurs side in 2022. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, I just... As an Arsenal fan, you'd hate to see that. Mentality monsters is Spurs side. Lads, it's Spurs. I've always said that. <laughs> Lester obviously hadn't heard that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Brendan just left that out of his team talk. <laughs> I mean, how many times can you shit the bed? Speaking of shitting the bed, let's uh, chat a bit of Socceroos <laughs> next, boys. Um, we've got uh, a couple of World Cup qualifiers coming up. Vietnam here in Melbourne uh, on Thursday night and so we'll be previewing that and then we've got uh, Oman away after that in this international window squad's been announced um, boys are just you know we won't run through every single person who's been announced but who are you happy to see in there uh, I'm happy to see Joel King involved I think we've had Ironically, we've had a weakness in left back for a couple of years after... Put some respect on Brad Smith's name. Yeah. And what about as is? <laughs> Who? He's had like one bad game and everyone's on his case for it. It's funny, right? We went through a period of we had zero left backs and we tried Dave Carney there, we tried Matt Mackay there, and then we went through a period where we had... We thought we had hit the golden age of left backs and we had three or four young blokes. We had Brad Smith, we had... Um, <laughs> Who's the young bloke from Denmark that plays in Denmark now? I can't uh, even remember his your, name. Your mate, the, the guy that you work with, his brother it, or something? Exactly. Yeah, I can't even remember his name. <laughs> Denmark friend. Yeah, exactly. And anyway. and, and he was now back at Sydney when he was like 12 years old. Gershbeck. Oh, that's the one. Oh, Alex Gershbeck. There we go. And, and we all thought the future of left back for the Socceroos is sorted for 10, 15 years. And now we've we landed... We thought, here come the future. And now we've landed oh. at a spot where... We've got nothing. So Out of wands. Excited to see um, Joel King involved. Can we get uh, Matt Ritchie in? But apart from that, I feel like it's a pretty stock standard Socceroos squad. Um, I'm excited to see Joel King. That's pretty pretty, pretty much my... I feel like this is a really, really important period for Aiden Hrustic and could, could define his Socceroos career because he is... 
he's a very key component now of this Socceroos team. It's sort of, I think it snuck up on a lot of people how he's become, how important he's become. Um, and central midfield is, is a position that we're kind of, we've got a bit of a glut of good players in. Tommy, every time we to... have Shannon on this podcast, he's just telling us how good Hustich is. So, I mean, I've been listening to him, but clearly, you know, it's just fallen on deaf ears. Not my boy. <laughs> But uh, yeah, look, everyone knows how how much you dislike uh, Aiden Rusick. But uh, I, I think to some degree, our our hopes actually rest on his shoulders a little bit, which is it's a little bit worrying. But I mean, there's a talented player in there. Like he he was he he's getting uh, he started for Eintracht Frankfurt uh, recently. I think against Bayern. Uh, I think there were some injuries, but still starting in the Bundesliga. And there's not many. Uh, the Socceroos that are starting in the top five league uh, in Europe at the moment. So, um, but this is a game. These are, these are two games where Hrusik needs to stand up and, and show that he is the, the the real future of the Socceroos and, and and put his best foot forward and, and take these two games by the scruff of the neck. I'm happy to see Kai Rolls in the team. Um, Huge big after time. a promising youth career, he looked like he was really like was Joey's be, captain. Yeah, when he was at Brisbane Raw. Really, really promising. Didn't quite break out at the Raw. Went to the Mariners, had a year or so there where like he looked like he was just going to be forever average and maybe bounce around A-League clubs a bit, but he's really come on. That partnership there with Ron Tongi looking solid uh, and just, yeah, really, really pleased for him after a, a strong campaign at the Olympics to, to get a call up to the Roos. So. Huge for the music industry as well. Happy, so, to, happy to see him. I think the other, the other obviously, big bolter is Marco Tilio being involved after you know he was he was barely involved in the the olympic campaign with the only ruse and i think it was it was a well-told story that it was a last minute call up and that he'd forgotten his passport and he had to get it you know overnight sent to where he was so he could make it to the to the olympics and and you know only six months later he's been caught up to the socceroos he's, he's clearly had a a pretty good six months and and a little bit more at, at melbourne city I almost feel like he's sort of taken the spot of Daniel Arzani as this outsider that can offer something. We don't really know what he can offer, but if he comes off the bench, he might be able to keep the ball in with a really fancy slide. That's exactly what I was going to say. I waited patiently, and I was going to say, if it's the 80th minute and you need somebody to slide off the pitch and then get back up, he's your man. Look, if you need a viral keeping the ball any moment... He's your boy, <laughs> but who, boys, who 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 you think's pretty lucky to have been called up? I'm going to start with you, Tommy, because I think I know who you're going to say. Ooh, all right. Um, I think I might surprise you. I'm I'm actually a little bit disappointed that Ryan McCree's been called up. Um, because hear me out. So guys, just had a big move. We we talked about this last week on the pod. Big, but I think he's unlikely to play. And if you're unlikely to play. And you've just had a big transfer. You want to be getting training time under your belt. You need time with your teammates so that you can hit the ground running with your your new team. Never have I met someone less loyal to their boys. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Than Tommy. I still still think... He dumps them. He trash talks them. (laughs) What about... Burgess, Lecky, just like they're, they're dead to me. Burgess, well, Lecky, Riley. The, the the midfielders are tough, tough enough to crack at the yeah. moment. I mean, Aaron Moy, he's, start, he's finally playing football in China and he made just 
just just out there, he made the EA Sports FIFA 22 Team of the Year just two weeks ago. My boy. So, uh, sorry, Team of the Week, not Team of the Year. Team of the Week. Oh, so that's he, a bit, li- bit so less <laughs> impactful. <laughs> he, he, he got a very important Team of the Week award, but yeah, it's... Uh, Was he Dad of the Year? Um, uh, no. Yeah, no, it's halfway around the world from his kids. Ooh. Still. Guys, Redmayne, discuss. I mean, is he third choice keeper at this point? I think he's a given, really. Yeah, he's third choice goalkeeper. I mean, it's a, I mean, better, it's a better choice than Lawrence Thomas. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, like, I hear you, but <laughs> I mean, but he's third choice. He's not playing. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's. I mean, that says more about the the state of Australian goalkeepers at the moment than mm. it does about um, the selection of, uh, of Andrew Redmayne. You, you have. You have one injury in a league and another injury at international duty. You're down to Redmayne. How do you feel? Wow. Nervous. And and finally, boys, who do you think might have been snubbed by Arnie in the call-up? Who do you think probably you wanted to see but um, just didn't make the cut for these uh, international qualifiers? I think I speak for everyone here when we're just really disappointed not to see Daniel Alzani in the squad. She's tough crowd. That was a joke. Wow. Come on. Crickets. <laughs> I notice there's no Robbie Cruz. <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, I don't have anyone in particular that stands out as a huge omission to the team. Uh, Colby, have have you got anyone? Well, Brad Smith, obviously. Apart from your boy. Apart from my boy, um, sticks with his boy. No, I, it's it's tough with injuries and things like that. Um, I mean, Awab and Bill is a, is a big name that's missing, but yeah. I think there's there's extenuating circumstances there with him. Um, I mean, maybe to modify the question a little bit, but what do you? Who do you guys think between now and the in the World Cup, provided they get there, could break in? Jesse, who do you think you are? Just like hosting and just rewording the. I question? like this from you, Jesse. Mm. I mean, we're going to say I'm spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough question because you've got players like Tilio who. Not less than six months ago, we were looking at him saying he can barely get a game in the first team at Melbourne City. Look, I'm calling it now. Qatar 2022, final game of the group stage. You need a clutch goal. Who do you bring off? Craig Goodwin. The cum dog. (laughs) (laughs) Cap him. When you need chaos and you, you need, you know... You know what? It's it's actually not. Oh! A, it's, actually, it's actually not a far-fetched claim <laughs> to say <laughs> the cum dog might make the ruse. And and there you have you it, what, listeners. That's the that's the take. I tell you what, that is probably one of the big reasons he's decided to come to the A League. Is he think he's got some shot at international football with Australia if he can prove himself in Australia? Man's played four D chess. He. Cumdog okay. is a genius. Okay. Let's talk about Cumdog. So, okay, hear, hear me out on a scenario, right? We're talking about Cumdog? Yeah. So, look, Cumdog, he blows up in the A-League, right? He scores. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely blows his load. Blows right? in the A-League's face. And, look, he he, he lights the place up, right? He, he gets, like, <laughs> maybe se- seven or eight goals, and he's he's basically... Ha- there's a there's a real push for him to, to make the Socceroos squad... Uh, assuming we make it for the World Cup in Qatar in what um, seven of, months, uh, eighteen, 
seven months? Is it this year or next year? This year. This year. Fuck I mean, right. trivial. Detail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this year. So more match days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, then what is um, so um, come dog? He coming. He ends up making the squad for the Socceroos, and then he comes on. Cometh at the, the end. hour. He comes on as a substitute in the first group stage game. Scores. What does his t-shirt say underneath his Socceroos jersey? <laughs> so much cum. You come at the dog, you best not miss. Aren't you glad you hung in there for that? <laughs> if any of the listeners are... Sorry, if you're still listening, if you're I'm still sorry. Here, if you're still here, like, firstly, thank you. Preview for the games. Vietnam, Aman, boys, who have you got your eye on? Who's it a big game for? I, and completely contrasted to Tommy saying Riley McGree is lucky to make the squad. I think there's a huge game for Riley McGree. He's arguably been our most informed player across the world at the yeah. moment. So uh, I would uh, I would be upset if Graham Arnold doesn't start Riley McGree. I think he's deserved to start for the Roos for the better part of 12, 18 months. And I think it's his chance to prove himself. And so I think in the next couple of games against... You know, and no disrespects to our opponents, but lesser opponents than we have played in the last few games. Um, I think it is a huge opportunity for Ryland McGree to stand up and say, "This is my spot. I am, I am that player you want to go to." Well, and, and in the same vein, my player who I think it's a big game for is Tommy Rogic. He's the guy, maybe. Um, who has to keep Riley McGree out and has to keep him snapping at his heels. He's He's been in some decent form at Celtic, playing under Ange. Um, you know, looks to have shaken off the, the recent injuries. He's, he's ready. I mean, this is it. This is it for Tommy Rogic, like against Asian opposition. Like, we just need him to, to get in there and, and win a game or two for us and, and keep us in the hunt. I'm, I'm going to say Matty Ryan, boys. Um, because it's a qualifier and I mean we all you know there's a long time between World Cups and we obviously talk about you know all the qu- the, the, the build-ups to these kind of games but when it comes to knockouts and like getting to a point where you are on the cusp of going out or making it to the World Cup everybody remembers the saves that your goalkeeper makes when you're in these clutch moments so he's had a, a pretty tumultuous last year he's now featured on the La Liga saves of the season well he's likely to captain the squad too or to captain the uh, team I, I, my, my you know coming from a, a New, New Zealand perspective I think it's your goalkeeper who could be you know potentially the most important player uh, I think you all put forward some very interesting points and I'm just going to echo my earlier thoughts on Hurstic and his importance to the side mm. well Hurstic of course won't be playing in the first <laughs> game because of that suspension but hopefully we'll see him against Oman Hugely important game against Vietnam. On paper, it doesn't read as an important game, but we'll be there on Thursday. We night. will be there. The MTAG boys will be there at the game. Hopefully, not contracting the spicy cough, but we'll be there supporting the ruse. Uh, and um, yeah, can't wait for it because on paper, Vietnam not a not one of the hard hitting names, but given where we are in the campaign, it's it's huge. Um, and of course, they're one of the real up and coming teams in Asia. So definitely nothing to be sniffed at, uh, boys. Do any of you know anything about Vietnam or Oman? Like, do you, you know, do you know who we should be watching out for? 
We, prob- I, we probably should have done some research before I know the pod. nothing about the Omani players individually, but what I know of them as a collective who we played in the past is we've always struggled against Oman. We've never done well against Oman, uh, particularly away from home. Obviously, this, this isn't away from home, this fixture, but uh, Oman are a good side, and mo- like most Asian sides when they come up against Australia, they slow the game down, they break the game up, they try and make things difficult. They try and make it a set piece sort of game. It's uh, it's going to be a difficult day out, and and Vietnam will do the same thing. And just in terms of um, what Arnie needs to do, or what Renny Mullenstein needs to do, uh, as the case may be, seeing as Arnie seems to have come down with a case of COVID himself, um, and it looks like it'll be Mullenstein at the um, uh, the sidelines, the Dutch mafia taking over the team again <laughs> um, in in Melbourne for the Vietnam game. Taking the two of these games as a whole, I suppose, what, what does Arnie need to do to get the best results in terms of his structure, tactics, personnel? Like, what's what's really important for him to do? I'll take this, guys. <laughs> Empowerment. He needs to empower uh, the right players. You talked about Rogic before. That player needs to feel loved, and he feels loved at Celtic, but he needs to feel loved in a Ruse jersey. Discuss. Well, I think, I think you're wrong. Ironically, I feel like the three players that we sort of highlighted is Rogic, McGree, and Hrustic are very similar in terms of their influence on the Socceroos. So it's going to be difficult to see what they do. But uh, in terms of how the team is picked, how the team plays, it's still going to be Arnie. Arnie, Arnie's going to be picking the job, right? He's going to be in the earpiece from the hotel room talking to Mullenstein all night. But uh, at the end of the day, the Socceroos... The job is to go and get six points from these two games. Uh, minimum four points, maximum six points. And if they don't, they haven't done their job. So They don't forget about them in the World Cup, honestly. What, whatever, whatever the, you know, whatever team they put out, whatever tactics they put out, the goal is to get six points. And if there is anything less than six points, I don't think it's good enough. I think all that they've got to do to motivate themselves for, for this one is put a put a photo of um, the cum dog with a with a photo of uh, him ripping off a jersey and superimposing Socceroos jersey into the the ripped off jersey, and everyone will just go yes we we have to see the cum dog at uh, Qatar. Come dog, dog for Qatar. Come dogs. Come dogs more. Steve Austin areas. Come dog. Come dogs more of a fan of the Joeys, mate. Do it for Jason. <laughs> Um, yeah, and um, I mean, the reason why I say this, boys, is that I think that when you get to this period of the qualifying, there are going to be players who need to step up. And in the past, you've had big game players, mm. you know, your Timmy Cahills. Your Aaron Moyes, well, your Brad Smith. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you said Moy, but I mean, when it gets to this point, if it's a really close game and you were saying about the opposition making it difficult for Australia... It might not necessarily be a system-based goal. It might literally be somebody putting their hand up at a free kick or a penalty. A little bit of individual brilliance. Well, this is it. Like, like Jesse, you know, like we're, we're sort of saying this tongue-in-cheek. I totally in cheek. agree. We're sort, yeah, me too. You're sort of saying this tongue-in-cheek. But this is the time, like, that you love to be a Socceroos supporter. We Like, you know, we love to be at the World Cup. But, like, let's be honest, we don't have a lot of glory there. But, like, at the back end of a World Cup campaign, backs against the wall... Those iconic moments, you, you're picturing... Like, they're, they're the moments that live in our, our minds, yeah. right? You're Is picturing Milo Yedinak, hat-trick against Yedinak, Honduras. You're picturing the 
Um, Josh Kennedy Josh goal, Kennedy goal which like sent us through to, to Rio. That's You're it. You're thinking of the free kick that hit the post against Syria. Oof. All, it's these, all moments these moments and then coming the World up. Cup qualification, right? So, just as Jesse's alluding to, who will be the man that makes the influence? And and I totally agree with Jesse in the fact that Matt Ryan could be the man that. If it's not a goal that puts Australia in the World Cup, it'll be a Matt Ryan save that puts Australia in the World Cup. Well, that's it. And um, so it's Vietnam on, on Thursday night and Oman uh, shortly after that. And in the next round of qualifiers, of course, there's that critical game against Japan. And it's just been announced that it'll be in Sydney on the 24th of March. That could be a crucial game. <laughs> if... It comes down to that game, boys. It could it could be a it could be a last minute emergency M tag trip to Stadium Australia for that game. Um, let's hope we can wrap up qualification before then. But you know, if not, then that will be a crucial game to see us hopefully uh, book a ticket to Qatar. I mean, not us because you know, fuck Qatar, and we won't be going there. Dad's on tour twenty twenty six. We're saving it for <laughs> America. You know we are. But thank you, thank you for listening as always, and thanks for thanks for um, staying with us through this extra long um, public holiday pod. As always, you can get around us on social media, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, and on YouTube where we ordinarily upload these pods um, before they drop into your podcast feed. Um, Next week, we'll be back with you. But until then, enjoy the football.